This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Thanks for tuning in on a Friday. Bulls Beat will bring you plenty of highlights from last night's six straight win for men's basketball, 76-68 against Temple. Game was tight throughout. We've told you that these Bulls and Owls meetings always go down to the wire, and last night was no different. Even when it looked like it was going to be an easy win, the Bulls had an amazing run of making 11 straight buckets. You're going to hear that entire stretch here soon. Temple ran off the next nine points, and off we went. But the Bulls, with seven players playing, that was it due to injury and illness last night, got the win, and they will head to UAB this weekend. We'll say a little bit about that. I'll be headed with the women's basketball team to New Orleans where they'll be looking to shake off what happened on Wednesday night. Not as many highlights, but certainly some, and some analysis by Jose Fernandez and yours truly of the loss that the Bulls suffered at the Yingling Center against Charlotte. All credit to Charlotte, but also some issues on the Bulls' side as they dropped an overtime defeat. The women's basketball outlook in our second segment will also give you some other news as well, some pretty cool stuff you can get on GoUSFBulls.com about the classroom work of the Bulls student-athletes coming your way. But let's get right into it. You're also going to hear what Amir Abdurrahim had to say after the victory. It seems like the Bulls have been getting off to slow starts from the floor of late. No difference on Thursday. Another good crowd at the Yangling Center. Took a while for Temple to get going, but they jumped out to a 6 nothing lead. Bulls missed their first five shots before they... Got it cranking. Right side pass to Chris Youngblood. Puts it on the floor. Goes behind the back. Back out to Hines. He's open. Didn't pull the trigger on the three. Knocks Will. Left side three. Fires. Good! And the Bulls get their first made field goal three and a half minutes in. Miller's going to step way back. Launch a long three that misses. And there's Casey Pryor flying in to get the rebound. He is a difference maker on both ends of the floor for the Bulls. Outlet pass to Sam Hines. He goes right at Hoffman. Runs into a brick wall. Kicks it back out to Pryor. Left side to Miguel. Ball fake. Man flies by. Goes to the basket. Tough layup. Rolled it in. What a tough shot by Selt Miguel. Left side of the rim. Used the right hand and spun it in. Almost an impossible angle by Selt Miguel as he goes in from the left side with his right hand. And he just sort of lifted it on top of the glass and had just enough to spin to fall through the net. The guys on the court were going to have to be the guys for the most part that got things going. Where Selt Miguel has become a starter and sharing co-scoring honors most games with Chris Youngblood. It took a while for Youngblood to get going in this one. The Bulls did not have the 10 threes in the first half like they did against Alabama State. In fact, in this game in the first half, just three for 15, but they grinded it out. They didn't have Brandon Stroud, a key contributor off the bench due to illness. They still don't have Jose Placer, who can run the point and hit threes due to a hamstring injury. They're waiting for Case and Jennings, don't forget that name to get ready from his foot injury. I think he's close. So you had your starters of Miguel and Youngblood along with Knox, Corey Walker at the five, and Sam Hines Jr. Thankfully, of course, off the bench, Jaden Reed, you know he's going to make an impact. Went three for three in the first half with eight points and three rebounds. And, oh, yeah, Case and Pryor, who it was confirmed missed the last game due to a coach's decision. Well, he was there on the bench with the team against Alabama State. And whatever it was, it was just a one-game sit-out. He had a big impact. Some more first-half highlights. Bulls getting back into it here. Looked like they were going to put on a big-time run. 
before Temple stemmed them for a tad. Pulls down eight, right side pass Miguel. He goes to the basket around two guys, and he floats it in. Boy, when Miguel goes to the hoop tonight, yep. they've had success. Hide the women and children when Miguel goes to the hoop. He's going hard. In the corner to Kobe Knox. Cason Pryor turns and fires and hits from 12 feet, and he did not hesitate at all on that turnaround jumper. Really, really impressive athletic move by Cason Pryor along the baseline. He buried it, and that's the Cason Pryor that we have seen in recent weeks. Bulls have made three field goals in a row again. That's why it's so important to quit turning the ball over. They're making shots now. Here's Reed. In the corner goes to Knox. Around two guys, now he kicks it to Pryor. He's gonna go to the basket. Now he goes back to Knox, off the window and in. A little two-man game, block-to-block -block passing. Really a nifty pass from Cason Pryor. He had a good shot, but he passed it off for a better shot. Stanford to the basket, blocked by Pryor and into the hands of the Bulls. Here comes Kobe Knox. They don't really have numbers. Knox to the free throw line, in the corner to Reed. Around two guys, kicks it to Pryor. Over to Youngblood, he'll take the three right side. Off the rim, didn't go, and a rebound by Temple. Riley ahead to Stanford, now to settle on the baseline. He finds a man going to the basket. There's a dunk, and Riley got fouled as well. Wanted to include that Youngblood miss on the three because it was kind of the story of the first part of this game, especially after he had just scored a career-high 26 and made six threes, also a career-high. But in this first half, he was just one for six on threes and two for eight altogether, and as you heard, Temple maintained the lead as a result. But from down four to up five, a 9-0 run sparked by a freshman and concluded by a good golly Miss Molly Dunk. Bulls still down four, four and a half minutes to go in the first half. Reed out near midcourt with it. Shot clock down to five. Does he see it? He's going to stop and pop, foot on the line. Jumper is good. Well, they say it's the worst shot in basketball, the long two, but I'll take it. Made it look easy there. A couple of true freshmen working right here. Reed with Stanford on him. Jaden left wide open. We'll launch a three. Swished it in. He got all net, 25-24 Bulls. Yeah, unafraid is Jaden Reed of taking the long-range shot, particularly when he's left wide open. Reed in this five-game win streak was 6-for-12 from distance coming in. Here's a steal by the Bulls. Reed took it away. Pryor ended up with it. Back to Reed. Here he comes. He throws a lob, and Kobe Knox couldn't finish it. Sam Hines got it back, blocked underneath, and he'll end up at the free throw line. Passes to Knox, ball above his head, finds Youngblood, leaves it to the trailer. There's Hines to the basket, two-handed dunk. Good golly, Miss Molly, he killed it. Oh my goodness, he cocked that thing back. Well, that is on somebody's highlight reel tonight. Probably ESPN's, that was, that was a Dr. J move where he just floated in and, and just destroyed the rim with an incredible athletic floating move. Sam likes to attack the rim when he gets the opportunity, and he did there. 29-24, but Temple got the next four, and you couldn't help but think, man, okay, yeah, sure, they were down eight at one point, so any lead would have been acceptable. But Temple, dread the thought, could have had the lead itself. Not when you got the freshman doing things like he was doing, not missing a bucket in the first half to finish it up. Jaden Reed crosses midcourt line, looks, fires to Kobe Knox, back to Reed, tries to beat Miller, goes to the basket, leaner, good! Boy, he's a lot stronger than he looks. Joey, he'll take the ball into the paint like that on multiple occasions. Yeah, he's a wiry, small guard, no question. He's listed at 5'10", but he's well-built, and he is unafraid from Westbury, New York. I'm sure he came up with a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger on those New York playgrounds, and. That shows in the way he plays. 31-28, free throw by Reed is good. Yeah, you better get tough or get lost. Jaden Reed, as you'll hear in the postgame show, is a nice young man, but yeah, he's got a little bit of that toughness which you need in him, and the Bulls certainly needed him 
to perform last night, as I mentioned, did not miss a shot of his three field goal attempts. The rest of the Bulls were just 10 for 30 on the first half. But the offense would come together in the second half. After we just mentioned, you know, Temple could have led. Bulls up 32-28 instead at the break. Yeah, it took Temple all of about a minute and a half to have the lead after halftime, and they eventually went up 40-36. to Then came the big shot that'll start off this long sequence. Get ready for a five-minute chunk because that's how long it took before the Bulls missed a shot. Enjoy. As Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston had the call. Miguel down the sideline to Reed. He's going to go to the basket. No, he's going to kick it to Young Blood in the corner. His three around the rim and in. Hit the rim twice, popped up, went off the backboard and fell in. And boy, did the Bulls need that after missing six straight shots. And nothing has come easy for Chris Youngblood tonight. Not even that shot, but maybe that's the shot that will get him going. Settle, now he gets it to Piccarelli in the corner. Man wide open, Miller. That's the man to fly by, launches a three that misses. And Corey Walker gets a rebound. Boy, he was all alone and missed it. Here's Jaden Reed, back the other way to the free throw line. Goes against Piccarelli. Gets caught in the air. They swing it around. Now to Selt Miguel. He gets a man in the air. Now a pass back to Reed. Or to Hines. He throws down a two-handed dunk. Perfect give and go. And Sam has his second dunk. There's our Duncan Hines. And the Bulls have taken the lead 41-40 on the Sam Hines dunk. Great ball movement by the Bulls. Miller gets to the basket. Turned the corner on Reed. And there was no help there. And back and forth we go. 42-41. Jaden Reed with a double team. He finds a man open, that's Walker. He got loose and gets a layup. Boy, Reed found his open teammate right there. Yep, Reed saw the court very well and saw the open man, Corey Walker, who caught the perfect pass and laid it in. Riley to the basket, a one-handed dunk, and all of a sudden we've had an NBA game break out. And Amir Abdul-Rahim wants a timeout with 12.03 to go. 44-43, Temple leads. Bulls give it to Jaden Reed. He's open for three, lets it fly, and that one's around the rim and in. Boy, you shoot from the right side of the floor at this end, and it's somehow going to find its way down. Yep, it, it rattles around and goes in, just like the Chris Youngblood shot did earlier. Jaden Reed shot, found the bottom. Miller kicks it in the corner. Here's Settle for three. He launches, misses, backside rebound for Jaden Reed, the smallest guy on the floor. Here come the Bulls with a two-point lead. Reed turns on the Jets, gets to the basket, high off the window. The little freshman's taken over. He's got a Baker's dozen. You said it, Jim, turned on the Jets. He found another gear. As he moved in the key area, he blew past the defender. Crazy shot that's no good, and Kaysen Pryor ends up with a rebound. Hines did the dirty work, and Pryor gets the, the stat. There's a turnover, throwing it down the sideline is Jaden Reed. Asir Miller goes back the other way. His layup is good. Boy, this pace has gone from a 33 record to a 45. No one even knows what we're talking about. Yeah, I about know. Here. You're right. You're right. Here's a steal by Settle. Took it away from Pryor. In the corner goes to Hoffman, back to Riley. They leave him wide open, and he knocks down the triple. Jordan Riley with a triple, and Temple has found their long-range game here in the second half. They had three in the first half. They have three in the first ten minutes of the second half. And that Riley three has given Temple back the lead, 49-48. Prior to Youngblood at the free throw line. He's going to go through contact. He put it off the window and in. I mean, he took Settle to school. He went right through the 180-pounder. Layup was good by Youngblood, and the Bulls are back in front, 50-49, to 49, midway through the second half. The Bulls have made six shots in a row, yet they only lead by one with nine and a half to go. Kicks it left wing to Hines. Short corner it goes, and the Bulls threw it away again. And here come the Bulls, walking it back up, now trailing 51-50. Well, I'd be stunned if this thing doesn't do this the rest of the way in this game. Youngblood catches, fires a three right side. Good! Chris Youngblood has started to come alive in the second half. He really is. His offense is finally clicking after a... Really difficult first half. Chris Youngblood is 
definitely a factor now. He's got 13 points. Bulls by two. Amir got into his defensive stance. He wants defense at the other end. Ball loose on the floor. Miller picks it up, gets it off to settle. 6'10", drives to the basket. Left-handed layup is good. Tie ball game at 53. Adam Fisher to our left. The head coach at Temple gets in his defensive stance. Kobe Knox on the logo to Selton Miguel. Looking down low for Pryor. Doesn't give it to him. Backs it out. Left side pass. Here's a three by Knox. Good! Kobe Knox, the Tampa product. And the Bulls make another one. That's four triples in the second half. They lead by three. Eight of their last eight, Jim. USF on field goals. After the Bulls force that turnover, the eighth on the Owls. Here's Selton looking for a screen. Goes away from prior screen. Launches a three. They got another three. They got another one. Where did this come from? Nine of nine. Nine of their last nine are the Bulls. And five of those are threes. The Sundowns and cheerleaders don't have enough T-shirts. They can't throw them fast enough. The Bulls lead by six. Here's a pass to Piccarelli. Cycles back. Pryor jumped him. Almost got the steal. They do get the steal. Selt Miguel. Pryor got it instead. There's an alley-oop. Kobe Knox finishes it at the basket for the layup. And then Temple throws it length of the court and almost threw it away. USF 10 of their last 10 from the field. It's an 8-0 run and a timeout by Temple. The Owls are coming apart at the seams, and so is this building. It's an 8-0 run in 70 seconds. Now they get it to Youngblood, pull-up jumper from 15. Good. Beautiful floater, under control and quiet, and Chris Youngblood has 16. 11 for 11, Jim. That has spurred this run that has pushed the Bulls out to a 10-point lead at 64-54. Ball game over. Or was it? No, it wasn't, but... It was really important, I think, for Youngblood to hit that three, get that friendly roll. He had missed seven shots in a row. So you look at his final line of six for 15, know that he made his last four and started off that stretch. But Temple would have an answer, and the Bulls would answer right back and close it out. We'll let you hear that along with some of Amir Abdurrahim and Jaden Reed from the postgame show. Then we'll get into women's basketball and some other news when Bulls Beat continues. Back to the Beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. We'll be on the air from New Orleans at 2.45 Saturday afternoon, Tampa time. Headed there today. Going to be rainy, but won't be raining inside Fogelman Arena. We'll talk more about women's basketball a little bit and about the men's basketball Sunday opponent. Is they're going to try to make it 2-0 in conference. But let's finish up the highlights and hear some postgame interviews first. Where we last left off, the Bulls were up 10. But then turnovers jump into the pitcher. Temple, real quick-like, as the Bulls start to come down to earth from the field goal situation. They went from shooting, by the way, 31% to 47% in that 11-for-11 stretch. It was quickly a one-point game right away. This was when the Bulls really got tested, and they passed the test. Here's how the game ended up. It's called by Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston. Two minutes to go, Bulls by three. Pryor goes to work on Settle, gets to the free throw line, picks up his dribble, now to Reed, and they take it away. Settle ends up with the basketball, kicks it off to a streaking owl, and that's Miller to the basket, and the layup is good. 9-0 run by Temple. Selton Miguel into Kobe Knox. Knox rushes it into the front court. He's going to go all the way to the basket, off the window, and there's a goaltend anyway, and Kobe Knox was not stopped, and he went ahead Got the layup to fall, and he gets fouled as well. What a huge play. Still a one-possession game. Neither team making free throws here down the stretch. Jordan Riley walks it up. Drifting left. Youngblood on him. Bull switch. Now prior guarding. He elevates. He fires. He misses. And Selton Miguel goes up the ladder to get the rebound. 
Miguel waves everybody off. He wants to bring it up himself. 80 seconds to go. Bulls lead by three. Shot clock down to 10. Selton pounding the ball out near midcourt. Now here they go with six. He's going to step back, launch a three. Good! Oh, my goodness. Selton Miguel with a fist pump. The biggest shot of the game. Temple throws it in to Hasir Miller. Now the Bulls must guard for the last 43 seconds. Miller near midcourt, goes to work against Pryor. Around him to the basket, lost it on the way up, tipped around and controlled by Youngblood, and they foul him in the backcourt. They dried off the ball, Chris Youngblood to our right. 33.7 left, and knocks down that front end of a one and one. Boy, just like the game the other night against Alabama State when the Bulls had to have free throws late, they did it. They're doing it here again tonight. Youngblood second free throw off the front rim. That was dead on but short. Rebound Temple. 74-67. Here come the Owls quickly. Dezoni gets it to Hoffman. A steal by Pryor. Goes down and he's going to throw it down with two hands. He made the steal at the top of the key. Slammed it home. That might be the exclamation point. 21.4 left. Pryor gambled on the pass. Stole it. It was a run out and a two-handed flush. Bulls shot nearly 60% in that second half. End of the game at 48%. Six for nine on threes, what a difference. You just heard Pryor finish it with the dunk. He grabbed seven rebounds of the Bulls' 17 in the second half. Big factor to get him back in the contest. Also dished out three assists, as did Jaden Reed. Youngblood, 12 points in the second half, despite missing two free throws, unlike him. Kobe Knox, 10 points, including that big answer after Temple cut it to one. Miguel only two for seven from the floor, but you heard that huge three that Got the Bulls back into a comfort zone. Got to mention Jordan Riley on the other side. Not just spectacular dunks and near dunks. A career high for the Georgetown transfer. He never scored more than 18 in a game with the Hoyas. And limited duty. Starting to pick up more time with the Owls. And hadn't attempted more than 12 shots in a game. And that was his last time out. And he went 9 for 18 in this one. Did score 20 and 19 earlier this year. We said on Wednesday's show, watch out to see if Jaleel White would be healthy. He was not for Temple, and I think that really helped the Bulls. Man, I think y'all jinxed us. <laughs> y'all said these games always come down to, you know, possessions. But, you know, you these are the games you want to be in because these are the games that are going to be played in March. So you got to learn now how to win when, when that time comes. Coach, in the second half, Temple was leading 40 to 36. From that point, you went on a run where you hit 11 straight field goals. There were three turnovers mixed in that stretch, but you end up with uh, on that run you're, you're up by 10 you're down by four then you're up by 10 what did you see during that stretch where you, you really couldn't miss inconsistent defense is what I saw I'm sorry to be the coach and I'm sorry to be negative but that's what I saw you know again guys we've seen it all year we can score like we can put it together and I say that humbly we can put it together but our our defense man has to be more consistent like we have to use you know our gift again before I go any further man to God be the glory you know, but we've got to use those gifts that he's blessed us with, you know, and our, our gift as a team is to be really tenacious defensively. We can't be inconsistent in that area, not in this league, and, and plan on winning how we want to. Coach, a little bit off topic, maybe you're wearing a nice suit tonight. We haven't seen this look yet. What's, yeah. uh, what's the motivation there? Well, the motivation is, you know, I want to be a great example um, to our guys. The, the, I, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, John Thompson wore a suit. Um, John Chaney wore a suit. Um, Nolan Richardson wore a suit. You know, and so, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, everybody kind of went casual look. 
but a, a really good friend of mine, Dennis Gates, who's the head coach at Missouri. Man, this dude has never wore he's never wore the pullover. He's wore the suit the entire time, and he made a he he made a challenge to all of us to get back to business. And what better time than conference time? The true freshman, Jaden Reed, had a magical night again. Yeah. Uh, 14 points, five rebounds, five assists, two turnovers, a, a steal, five for five from the floor. Yep. Two for three from the line. He's been doing it all for you. And, and just the blow-bys one after another yeah. at the offensive end. No, he is, uh, man, he is growing up before our eyes, guys. Um, and as I said to him, I think it was last game, but I've said it to him all week, hey, you're not a freshman anymore. You know, you're a sophomore. You know, like he's a, he's a sophomore, just he's still in his first year, still in his freshman year. And he, his, you see the maturity in him. You see the growth in him. Um, because even when he has a tough play before, he would hang his head or, ah, oh, you know, now, man, he's a, he has a next play mentality. And, man, I'm just – we're really blessed to get to coach that kid. Jaden, you're now 1-0 in the American Athletic Conference, and this is the sixth win in a row for USF, which began back at the Florida State game down in Sunrise. You guys have been on a nice roll since then. What, what has changed for this team? What, what, do you, what do you see from the six-game winning streak that yeah. you guys are doing well? I'm just, just buying, buying in to what the coaches are saying and trusting each other, um, not being selfish, not looking for who gets the credit, um, just go, going out and just trying to ultimately win games. That's, that's our main goal, no matter who has the most points, most rebounds, whatever, um, just trying to win the game. And I think that we all have the same mentality now, and we just had to keep going. Definitely noticed he was wearing a suit. Now it was good to hear why. I don't know if the suit's going to catch on with the broadcasters, at least on the women's basketball side. Bulls win it 76-68. Reed, incidentally, with 14 points, 5 for 5 from the floor, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Youngblood actually ended up leading the way with 17 points. Ironic how the Bulls were only 6 of 13 at the free throw line in the second half, and yet because they, you know, made 14 of their last 16 from the floor, got the job done. Six wins in a row, 8 and 4. They'll look to make it 7 straight on Sunday afternoon at UAB. Blazers are solid, if not spectacular, like they were the last couple years when they led the Conference USA in scoring, helped by a dude named Jordan Walker, who made 135 threes last year, while averaging more than 22 points as UAB went 29-10, and 10, made it to the NIT Finals against fellow conference and still conference team North Texas, by the way. Walker made 251 threes, and scored more than 1,400 points just in his two years at UAB after two solid years at Tulane. So they haven't been as explosive from three-point land, even though they got some guys, including one off the bench, Daniel Ortiz, who's made 22 threes. He is their sixth leading scorer. Their starters and he all average between 8 and 13 points. Eric Gaines leads the way. They also have a guy named Ephraim Butta, B-U-T-T-A Johnson, can't wait to hear Jim and Joey speak about him when they hit the air on Sunday afternoon. And all oh, another guy in their starting lineup who's only averaging seven points by the name of Tony Tony. Now their computer ranking, not good. They are actually outside the top 200. They have won five in a row, but one was a non-D1 win. They did beat Drake in overtime at home and then turn around and beat UNC Asheville at home. They draw around 3,500 fans and they just came off their conference opener granted against the weakest team in the league UTSA is right around 300 in the net Bulls are in the 150 range but they did win before their five-game winning streak the Blazers who were nine and five dropped three in a row none to power schools McNeese Southern Miss and Arkansas State in other words they appear beatable wouldn't it be something if the Bulls could make it two and zero in conference and seven in a row 
overall, pregame 2.30 on Sunday. We'll be in New Orleans with women's basketball. Man, do they need a win against Tulane, which is struggling for its own right. But the Bulls, remember last year, only lost one conference game during the regular season. They got tested plenty, and this was with their full-strength roster, their NCAA tournament roster. They had some tricky games, and they still managed to have key sequences to put it away. Felt like that was going to be the case after a close first half against Charlotte on Wednesday night. Basically an even first half. Romy Levy was great for the Bulls, 6 for 11, 13 points. And then they're looking for that auxiliary scoring. Romy Levy's provided it for the Bulls, and she does it right there with her, now I think, patented and jump shot. It is a patented jump shot, but great rising over her. And let's talk about what that does for her. It puts her over the 400 mark. Over the 400 mark. So exciting. Classic out to Levy. That's a beautiful looking shot. Knock it down. Just on that left elbow. Yeah, she's got the stroke going tonight, 12 to and 11. Levy posted up right side down low, then curled around off two screens to catch that on the left side elbow and hit a great jumper. Now it's Lawrence, and I thought she traveled, but she gave it up anyway on the pass attempt. Levy, oh, oh what pass. a bounce pass to Brito. That was a clean play right there. When the Bulls take the lead, 13 to 12. What a look by Romy. Oh, it's a good look. She's so good with the basketball. Again, she stands at 6-3, but plays handles the ball like a guard. The rest of the team, though, just 6 for 24. On the other side, Charlotte hit 45%, but they turned it over 11 times, and the Bulls had a 15-7 lead in points off turnovers. Talking about putting it away almost, listen to this run in the third quarter and pay attention to the very end of it. Yes, the last eight. Carla and Carla Brito called for her off the inbounds, gets a great feed from Wilson, and a much-needed and one coming your way. Bulls back on top. There's a levy. Very strong, determined move in the hoop. And Coach Consuegra wants to travel. No way. 37-33. No Levy has just 17 <laughs> points. That's right. She covers some ground there with those big steps, big strides. They miss both of those free throws. And the Bulls will gladly take that. It is 37-33 to 33 South Florida. Brito keeps her pivot foot this time, faking the three. Drops it over to Blasic. She needs to drive in double team. Eight on the shot. Brito corner three. Gets knocked down. And that is a three-point shot. Brito gets right back up. And the Bulls have their largest lead, 40-33. to 33. Oh, Levy play. to Blasic. Wide oh, open. Just rims out. Fernandez was about to burst off the sideline. I'm telling you, if it's a 10-point lead, I don't think Charlotte comes back from it. But it wasn't. It was a seven-point lead because that shot that looked so good rimmed out. And Daisy Lawrence, who had a tremendous game, we told you she was their key player, followed it up with a three-point play and then hit a jumper at the buzzer to end the quarter and keep them within range at 45-40. Again, thought this was a put-away moment. That's four fouls. She needs to be careful here, and she's guarding Romy Levy. They need to go right at Levy. Levy needs to drive to the hoop and try and get her fouled out. 313 on the game, 20 on the shot with the reset. Ooh, Next Smith foul will send four. the Bulls to the free throw line. Go, Levy, take there her. There is Levy. They know the play call, by the way, because they said it. Classic, a three. Knocks it down! And Jose Fernandez just pumped the fist. Because I'm telling you, Lawrence relayed the play call to the bench. Yep. And I can't repeat what Jose Fernandez just said, but that's what that was about. They were trying to steal Ooh. signs, basically. And now Lawrence. Lawrence doesn't steal anything there, drives to the hoop, and gets her 20th points. It's 53 to 50 balls. What a shot by Blassie. Her fourth main three. Oh, that was a huge shot by Blassie. 40 to go, yeah. The player in front of Jose Fernandez yelled is. down the play call. Oh, this was an intense situation on the sidelines. Add to the drama, no free throw attempts for either team in the first half. 
then some strange whistles, some technical fouls, and yes, some obvious, really advanced knowledge by the Charlotte coaching staff, including in that case, Lawrence actually yelling down to the bench and the team knowing where the ball was going, but Vlasic makes that three. Five-point lead. Why was it a pivotal moment in the wrong direction? It was the last shot the Bulls would make, stunningly. Now, Charlotte picked up its defense, centered its defense around Blasic and Levy, and that was part of the issue. You'll hear what Jose Fernandez had to say after the Bulls lost 66-61 in overtime. Levy did make two clutch free throws with 29 seconds left, and the Bulls had some great defense to prevent it from being a last-second buzzer-beater situation in the fourth quarter. But in the overtime period, 0 for 5 from the floor, and they were stuck. They committed three turnovers. In that good third quarter, they only had two. By comparison, Charlotte only made two buckets, but seven for eight. At the free throw line, Lawrence ended with 26 points. In real time, after that blastic bucket to the end of the game, 35 minutes without a made field goal, that's not going to get it done. Now, Levy, career-high 24 points, got to mention. He also had six assists and five rebounds. Blasic, four for 11 on three, scored 20. Ariel Wilson didn't score, but she tied a career-high with nine rebounds. The point guard had five assists. Drew three charges and tied up three held balls. She was phenomenal. And the other player, Evelyn Lucha-Shippold, who couldn't follow up her 7-for-10 performance, was just 1-for-4 but had 10 boards. Those four played more than 40 minutes. Credit to them, but also that's the issue. The Bulls bench is short right now, as Jose Fernandez explained. You know, we talk about possessions. You know, possession 1 and possession 80 are just as important. And they weren't tonight. They had a kid that had a really special night, and we broke down on some coverages. Derek, you've been with me for a long time. I don't know how many uh, overtime games we've run, won in a row. Problem is we're, we're just not good enough when we don't defend and we're not great in coverages. We also missed a ton of baskets around the rim in cru- crucial situations. You know, sideline out of bounds. You know, we don't throw a good pass on the back screen. Uh, you know, we miss another layup. And that's when it's four or five that you got to extend. Mm. Now you got to give Charlotte a lot of credit. You know, they came in here, played hard. They deserved uh, to beat us here at home. We're missing some people. Yeah. One that's really, really good. Well, now teams prepare on who to guard, who not to guard. I thought we were very good on baseline out of bounds and special situations. But in the half court, I thought their fours and fives really were physical and took us out of stuff. You gotta have phys- you gotta have individual accountability. You gotta have accountability for your play, and also for you practice. If you practice, you don't practice well. You're not gonna play well. The bench kind of shortened up. So with that in mind, would you like to see a little bit more coming up this Saturday against Tierland? Yeah. You know what? Now the guys that are playing mm-hmm. are gonna play. Mm-hmm. If I got to play six, I'll play six. If I got to play seven, play seven, you know, and then we'll fix stuff after the season. He didn't name names, and I'm not going to do it here, but if you're a person who can peruse rosters, you can figure out some of the expected contributors that aren't doing it. I would expect more contributions on Saturday afternoon. We'll be on the air at 2.45 from New Orleans, where the Green Wave for the third straight year are 0-2 in conference. They had won four games in a row. Schedule featured a couple of ACC opponents in the Cayman Islands, and strangely enough, they got blown out by Virginia, then turned around and gave Virginia Tech a battle. Only lost by six, then went to Missouri State, lost by 10 before running off four in a row against UNO, Howard, Little Rock, and Maine. But then they started off conference play, and this is worth noting, having to go on the road for two. No matter where you go, it's always tough. They got beat by Wichita State by a few in Tulsa. 
most recently 72 to 54. Lisa Stockton is in her 30th year as her head coach, and she has between her two stops, although she's been at Tulane for obviously most of them, 649 wins. If you're wondering, let's hope that plus one does not come on Saturday. Stockton basically bought herself as much time as she needs at Tulane by sending that school to its first ever NCAA tournament in her first year there. That was 1995. They went nine years in a row to start, but only twice since 2004. Last season, the Green Wave were 18 and 14, 7 to 9 in the conference. Famously, they have lost 21 of their last 22 against the Bulls. And again, they're off to an 0 and 2 start. Bulls hoping to send them to 7 and 7. They lost some veterans, Dinah Jones, who've been with the program for five years. They are led by Kyron Whittington, who came into Tulane off of a good couple of seasons at Louisiana Monroe. She is averaging 16 points a game, and Marta Galich, very good three point shooter scores around 15 a contest, but looks like right now they just don't have the threats up and down the lineup that they usually have had, and I guess you could say the same to some degree about the Bulls. Just tying back to one thing that Jose mentioned, they did win their last two overtime games last year, including in the NCAA tournament against Marquette, and of course the player who's talking about their missing big time is Sammy Puisis and Levy and Blasic, but right now no one else carrying the load offensively anything like Puisis was able to do. Speaking of carrying the load, check out what the Bulls have been doing in the classroom at GoUSFBulls.com. Story posted on Thursday on the student-athletes posting records for graduation success rate. want to commend all for what they do on and off the fields and courts of play. And two great student-athletes, Carla Brito from women's basketball and Chandler Dorsey from baseball, named the Student-Athletes of the Month for December. Still a bit away from the spring golf season, but follow both men's and women's golf on social media and seeing that several of those individuals play in tournaments. I've seen incoming freshman James Hassel was in the top 10 at an event. I know track and field begins next week, then tennis and golf. We cover it all and love doing it for you here on Bulls Beat. We'll be in New Orleans for women's basketball Saturday afternoon and then back on the beat here Monday. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.